welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and I'm bringing to you part three of a four-part series entitled Celebrate, with today's message specifically entitled Celebrate Promise, based off of Romans chapter 4, verse 3, and 13 through 25. So, let's dive into the Word today. For the Scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the faith uh, that is what the scriptures mean when god told him i have made you the father of many nations this happened because abraham believed in god who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing even when there was no reason for hope abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations for god had said to him that's how many descendants you will have and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though, at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to make us right with God. Amen. Abraham is a model of what it means to grasp hold of what God promises us through faith. Like Abraham, we can embrace God's calling on our lives, believe that God will do what God promises, and take courageous action. There's a movie that I hope at least some of you have seen called Hacksaw Ridge, a, a, world, a World War II film directed by Mel Gibson and starring Andrew Garfield. That film is about an army medic named Desmond Doss, a devout Seventh-day Adventist who believed in following the Ten Commandments to a T. As such, when he was drafted in the army for World War II, he objected to holding any sort of firearm or weapon. The army then wanted to put him into the con conscientious objectors camp, which was not a good place to be. You were looked at as a, almost, not a traitor, really, but not much higher than one. 
But Doss refused to uh, refuse that too. He didn't see himself as an objector, but a cooperator. He saw himself as a conscientious cooperator. He told the army recruiter that he could be a medic and serve while not holding a gun, which got him into a bit of trouble with the recruiter because you don't tell me where you're going, son. I tell you. Well, needless to say, Desmond Doss was admitted into basic training <clears throat> to go into infantry where he still was persistent in not holding a gun. And this, of course, caused him to be berated by the drill sergeants and officers and hated by his fellow soldiers. They picked on him, beat him up, threw shoes and other objects at him, and demanded that he be transferred out. One soldier even said, I swear to God, Doss, you go into combat, I'm going to shoot you. Here's Doss in his own simple words. My dad bought this Ten Commandments and Lord's Prayer illustrated on a nice frame. And I had looked at that picture of the Sixth Commandment, Thou shalt not kill. There's a picture that had Cain and he had his brother Abel. And I wondered how in the world could a brother do such a thing. I've pictured Christ for saving life. I want to be like Christ, go saving life instead of taking life. And that's the reason I take up medicine. Eventually, he was given permission to train as a medic, and in his file was given permission to have his religious objection to firearms respected. But that didn't stop the harassment he had to endure due to his faith convictions. After all, not only was he willing, not willing to bear arms, but he refused to work on Saturdays, too, as Seventh-day Adventists observe Sabbath on the traditional day of Saturday, as opposed to on Sunday like other Christians. And to work on the Sabbath is to break the Fourth Commandment. He was serious about this stuff. The truth is, his value as a comrade didn't really get noticed until he saved a good many of the lives of his fellow comrades on the battlefield without any weapon. To make a long story short, Doss and his fellow soldiers ended up at the top of the Meda encampment where the Japanese were awaiting them. This is on Okinawa. <clears throat> Literally waiting there, waiting to pick them off as they climb up a cliff and into an onslaught of bullets, grenades, mines, and whatnot. Think of the shores of Normandy on D-Day, but instead of the soldiers coming from the water, they were coming from the bottom of a cliff. Not a good situation. In the end, without a gun, Doss treated, rescued, and saved 75 U.S. soldiers and even one Japanese soldier. In the process of that, again, without a weapon, he took the blunt of a grenade explosion having 17 pieces of shrapnel in him. And he also was shot by a sniper in the arm, shattering his arm bone. Let me share how this shot happened. He was being carried on a stretcher after all the others had been supposedly rescued when he saw another injured soldier on the ground. And let me read to you what happened as reported in HistoryVersusHollywood.com. Following the grenade explosion, Desmond waited for five hours until fellow soldier Ralph Baker was able to reach him. Baker, along with the other men, carried Desmond to a litter or stretcher through an intense enemy tank attack. As they were carrying him, he, he saw a guy on the ground badly wounded. 
Desmond rolled off the stretcher and crawled over to patch the man up. Desmond gave up his stretcher to the man, but while waiting for help to come back, he was wounded again, this time by a sniper's bullet that shattered his left arm. He fashioned a splint out of a rifle stock. <laughs> I guess the one time he was going to pick up something, right? A weapon. He fashioned a splint out of a rifle stock and crawled the remaining 300 yards under fire, eventually reaching the safety of an aid station. He was transported to the hospital ship Mercy. End quote. In the end, his persistence, Desmond's persistence in his faith, led him to be a miraculous, heroic witness to the power of God. His life following his service was hard. I mean, his injuries left him 90% disabled and he could only maintain part-time jobs. His wife, Dorothy, had to go to school to get licensed as a nurse in order to support the family. Still, due to his heroic, patriotic, and Christian service to his country, Desmond Doss was presented with the U.S. Medal of Honor by President Harry S. Truman. I mean, wow. What a profoundly powerful witness to the fulfilling of God's promises. We celebrate God's promise for us, for our congregation, and for all God's children. But we often forget to acknowledge that God's promise extended even and especially to neglected and marginalized people. We can find many examples in the stories of the Bible in which God made and fulfilled promises to people who seemed unlikely to be at the center of God's story. Desmond Doss may not be a biblical character, but he certainly fits that, doesn't he? Unlikely to be at the center of God's story, and yet there he was. And Abraham is one of them, too. A man who would end up becoming the father of three major world religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Let's briefly revisit the story of Abraham as told in Genesis chapters 11 through 25. Here are some of the key highlights. Abraham began his new life chapter as an immigrant. He left his hometown and followed where God called him to go, no matter what, even though he was quote-unquote too old, and despite the fact that the journey was too long and uncertain. God promised to Abraham and Sarah that they would have descendants that outnumbered the stars. And this is the important part, so take note. They remained steadfast and persistent in their faith that God would keep that promise. Because of Abraham's faith in God's promise, he was counted as righteous. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he makes the point that God fulfilled God's promise to Abraham. Not because Abraham followed the law and got it right, but because he had faith in God's promises. Sadly, Paul's words here have been misinterpreted many times and have been harmful to the Jewish community as a result. So I want to make this clear. Paul is not stating that the Jewish people were legalists without faith or that they were somehow misguided in following the law of Moses. In fact, it is equally important to note that Paul saw himself as a Jew, because that's what he was, a Jew, who ch was charged with bringing the message of Jesus, also a Jew, to the Gentiles. What's more, Paul is writing to a church that has both Jewish and Gentile Christians in it. This context cannot be left out, otherwise 
Christians might think Paul is talking to Christians as opposed to Jews. And what I mean here is that there was no distinction for Paul between Christians and Jews. I mean, there were the non-believing Jews who didn't believe in Jesus, but they were Jews all the same. The only distinction was they didn't believe Jesus was their Messiah, Lord, and Savior, whereas Christians were Jews who accepted that. Non-Christians were either Jewish, uh, who, you know, who didn't believe in Jesus, but they were still Jews, um, or they were Gentiles, who was every other non-Jewish group. So Christians still lumped themselves in with Jews at the time, and everybody else were Gentiles. Christians didn't see themselves as Gentiles, which is what made it hard for Paul to sell spreading Christianity to the Gentiles, and especially if they weren't going to follow Jewish law. And so Christianity at the time was a Jewish sect of Jesus' believers. Paul was seeking to expand that group to include the Gentiles as well. And as such, there was tension about who the true inheritors of the faith were and whether observing the whole law, Torah, was necessary even for the Gentile believers. Paul is not saying the law is bad or wrong to be a law-observing Jewish Christian. Uh, in fact, a law-abiding Jewish Christian you would expect to be because they were born Jews. They, they were born under the covenant of God. They followed the laws their whole life. Why wouldn't they continue doing that? Um, so again, Paul's not saying it's bad or wrong to be a law-observing Jewish Christian, just that following it is not the basis for God fulfilling God's promises. Following the law in and of itself does not make us righteous. And in fact, the more we try to follow the law, we realize the less we actually can. And then we're judged by the law for not following it. Receiving God's promise is not about following the law and getting it right. God loves us and saves us even if and when we fail. In fact, Following the law for Jews in proper Jewish theology is not a matter of earning God's love. It's a response to the love God's already given his people. And so this is the response back to God. We're going to be right. We're going to be in a right relationship with you and with our neighbors. That's the heart of the Jewish law. And that's the heart of the law that Jesus was teaching as well. And it's the heart of the law Paul was teaching. So again, receiving God's promise was never about following the law and getting it right. God's promise came before the law. God loves us and saves us even if and when we fail. And Jesus even said this, man was, I mean, people were not made for the law. The law was made for people. It was made for us as a guide to lead us into a right relationship with God, which is also living in a right relationship with other human beings and with nature and all creation. First and foremost, God's promise is freely made by God to us. We celebrate this and accept it by having faith that God will do what God says and respond and responding to this grace. The promise worth celebrating is that we do not need to be perfect throughout our life's journey, but that by faith we can follow where God leads and experience the journey of grace. This promise helps us forge ahead even when things get difficult. Hoping against hope in verse 18 and growing stronger in faith as we see in verse 20. But through our shared history of faith with Abraham, we too are brought into the scope of God's promise. 
which is both being fulfilled and is not yet entirely fulfilled. The specific promise is that Abraham will be the father of many nations, and we can see that in uh, Romans verses 4.18, and that all families of the earth will be blessed in him, as we see in Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. It's a promise about the broad scope of God's reign and blessing throughout the earth. Abraham did not get to see the totality of the promise fulfilled in his earthly life. And we join in a long line of journeyers who will only see partial fulfillment in our earthly lifetimes. But that line gives us reason to celebrate that even in our diversity, our unity in the community of faith draws us into a larger promise that is on its way to being fulfilled. Because God so deeply loves us for who God created us to be, we are continually a part of this promise of God's everlasting presence and steadfast love. The promise tells us that we are fully loved and fully known for who we are, that Jesus never leaves us, and that new life is forever and eternally ours through faith. Abraham's story also reminds us how we can respond to God's grace and promise. He embraced God's calling for his life, believed God was able to do what he had promised in verse 21, and he took courageous action in his faith. Again, he embraced God's calling for his life, believed God was able to do what he had promised, as we see in verse 21, and took courageous action in his faith. He was willing to leave his hometown, his comfort zone, and take a risk to embrace challenges and changes in his life so that God's promise could be fulfilled in, for, and through him. God's promise is for all people, even for you and your church. And I want to invite you to reflect on this question. How will you embrace God's calling on your life? Believe that God will do what God promises and take courageous action so God can fulfill God's promise in, for, and through you. How can we celebrate the promise that God is with us in all things, no matter what? How can we celebrate both the promises that have been fulfilled and those that we're still waiting for, so those that we're still waiting to be fulfilled? Friends, we are called to enter together into the promise with excitement and joy. So let's celebrate the promise that we all become a part of the families of the earth blessed through Abraham in our journey. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you and praise you, A, for your servant Abraham, who him and Sarah really just modeled what the life of faith is for us. And, and so, Lord, we thank you for their witness that has endured the test of time. I mean, we're talking uh, thousands and thousands of years. So we, we thank you, Lord, for, um, we thank you for their uh, faithfulness. And we also thank you for Jesus and the, how he modeled uh, what it means to be truly human as, as you see uh, us being. And, and Lord, we also thank you for Paul. And, sh and reminding us that it's, you know, the laws are made to serve us so that we grow closer to God. 
we're not meant to be uh, we weren't made for the law and that you know we are going to fail as human beings but lord you've forgiven us and you give us grace and you accept us as long as we keep striving and set our hearts on you and lord uh, we thank you and praise you as as your free grace is really just irreplaceable and uh, there is no words that we can put into our mouths that would ever express the joy we have in you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, remember that um, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. I'm very thankful always that you tune in and uh, listen to these messages. I hope you get as much out of them as I do uh, writing and recording them. Uh, I also want to turn you to the uh, point you to the uh, episode notes. Uh, there are links in there that you can check out, different websites. Also, you can see two links uh, to PayPal and Tithely if you have it in you to give and this is your main spiritual sustenance uh, for the week, then uh, that would be very helpful uh, and you'd be contributing and being a part of the, uh, the body of Christ that way. Um, if you are uh, just using this supplementally and you go to a congregation of your own, please by all means support them. They need it as well. Uh, but if you can support us both, uh, that wouldn't hurt. We would be very thankful. Uh, all the same, uh, thank you again for tuning in and remember, you are richly blessed so you may be a blessing to others. Go in peace.